Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast or on our YouTube channel at PL on NFL. Have a special guest today. Want to do a quick ad read, tell you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest, fastest and easiest way, easy for you to say, to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And where we start, as I said, a special guest, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a Giants in-studio analyst and entrepreneur, Jersey's finest, number 52, Jonathan Casillas. JC, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me, Pat, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been nice to see you out at Giants training camp. We've been taking in the padded practices, the shell practices, uh, watching a lot, develop a lot of exciting names and players out there. And what I've heard some of the Giants players say, let's just get right into it. What matters most is the NFC East. And in recent years, they've struggled. In fact, they are 3-22 and 22 since the start of 2017, the Giants, against the Eagles and the Cowboys. So wow. I put it to you. Gosh. Former Giants captain. You know, you helped take a team to the playoffs in 2016. I believe that team was 7-1 and one at home, protecting its turf. What does it say? We swept Dallas, too. We swept Dallas that year, too. How does it make you feel to hear those stats like if you're in the Giants locker room right now, how does that make you feel feel hearing that? Well, you know, I I understand how hard it is and was to win in, in the NFL in general, but especially the NFC East. The Eagles for a while now have been having a pretty strong team. You know, uh was it six years ago now? They won they actually won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And ever since then. Uh, they changed coaches, but I feel like the culture over there has been a winning culture. They've won a lot of football games, honestly, throughout my my lifetime, you know, and, and they've kind of kept that going uh, in the last 20 years. The Giants have capitalized on Super Bowls, but I feel like in the win column, the Eagles been the consistent and it, not always the division winner, but like they've won, I think, more games than the other teams in the NFC East. And Dallas, of course, everybody talks about Dallas all the time. And the thing is, actually, last year they had a pretty solid team, you know, and they didn't do as well, you know, uh, in terms of turnover ratio. Dak turned the ball over a little bit, but they still were a really good team. They have a lot of talent, right? Yeah. And when you look at last year, the Giants had, I feel like, a really good year. But, Pat, they only won one game in the division. Only one. And yeah. another one they tied with the Commanders. They got swept by the Cow the Cowboys and the Eagles, you know. And I've been hearing that the NFC is a wide-open division. And, Pat, I don't agree with that. Mm. Not, even, not even the NFC East. Not even, like, the NFC belongs to the Philadelphia Eagles. As of right now, they – they are the incumbent NFC champions, right? They are the favorite, if not the second favorite, to go to the Super Bowl this year. They have talent at every position, you know, and I'm, I don't like them. Like, I'm, I'm not like, <laughs> oh, yeah, go Eagles. Like, I don't like the Eagles, but I've watched them play several times last year, including three times against the New York Giants. Yeah. And just from those three games alone, like, bro, they, they, they're on another level. I think the Giants have taken a big step to close that gap but unless the eagles you know have a rash of injuries i still see them as the cream of the crop in the nfc not just the nfc east and mm. then the cowboys because of that defense and what they've been doing over there they have a solid team that actually can compete with the philadelphia eagles and now the giants i feel like is kind of a right uh a step right behind the cowboys yeah, But because of how the culture has been established, this is year two in this Joe Shane and Dayball regime. A lot of uh, they had a lot of great draft picks the last two years. They figured out all of their money issue guys. Right. 
got Saquon squared away. They got Daniel Jones locked up. They got the best player in the offensive line, the young, promising Andrew Thomas. They got probably the best player on defense in Dexter Lawrence squared away. They did everything right. They drafted well. Jalen Hyatt was a steal. We see him every day. So I think the Giants are taking a step closer to the Eagles and a step closer to the Cowboys. Hmm. And I think, of course, you have to play the games to figure out if the Giants actually can compete in this division. But if they have similar uh, a similar record, what they were one four and one last year, they will not make the playoffs this year because I I don't think the other teams in other divisions like the Saints and the Carolina Panthers and uh, uh, well Seattle like I don't think the teams are going to be stronger in other divisions and that that means we can't be the third team from the NFC East to make it to the playoffs. I think it's probably only going to be two and we got to be one of those two and I think hmm. we can, but as of right now we're third fighting for that second place in a division sorry for the long-winded response Pat. no no that, that was great uh, you kind of answered this probably but my so what i wanted to do was definitely hit on maybe the headline of all four of these teams to try to d- dive into where they are where you think they're going to go you did hit on this but my question starting with the eagles like you said the cream of the crop was are they vulnerable and It sounds like you don't think they are, but I look at them and I say, look, they lost Javon Hargrave, who actually goes to the Niners, who are their primary competition in the conference. They have two new coordinators on both sides of the ball. They lose their starting linebackers. They got some youth coming in that they're counting on. They lost their starting right guard, Isaac Samalo. So from your standpoint, too, I'm especially curious about the coordinator element. Like we know they're talented, but is there a world where, you know, losing the offensive scheme and the defensive scheme and the coordinators that left with Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon becoming head coaches in Indianapolis and Arizona respectively is if you're a Giants player are you saying or if you're Brian Dable Wink Martindale are you saying all right there's a crack there's a crack in the foundation here we can exploit this or are the Eagles really that talented where it's not as simple as just saying oh you know they might start slow well, they probably will start slow, you know, because of the points that you just made. Yeah, they have talent, but they also, you know, it has to have comfortability in the system. They have to have familiarity. They have to have chemistry. And when every year it's a new year, you know, and I look, they're still they're still talented. Yes, they got a new coordinator on both sides of the ball. But the thing is, if they do have a, a slow start, the Giants play them the last two out of the three weeks of the season anyway. So even if they have a slow start and they're rolling at the end of the year, you know, and it might, it, it might even be worse because now everything matters at the end of the year because they had a slow start last year. Mm. We kind of caught them limping in the playoffs a little bit, you know, even though they had to secure the win to secure the number one seed and the giants crazy how the giants weren't actually playing for a seed position for that last <laughs> week last year right it's so crazy how that happens and yep. um you know this year i don't think it's going to be the same thing i think if you are right which i definitely think there's uh there's some reverence in that where they will have a slow start because of the things that you mentioned i think towards the end of the year if they're any type of a good team because at the end of the day pat good teams are not decided in september Good teams are decided in November and December, right? December is when it's finalized. And then if you're a good team, you'll be still dancing in January, right? And you, re- if you're and not, you reference, then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm saying if you're, if you're not a good team and that's figured out in December, you know, you can start hot. Remember that Pittsburgh team that went 11-0 a few years ago and they literally were a trash team at the end of the year. I don't know how they did it, but they were a trash team. And uh, Detroit <laughs> last year started out trash, like the Detroit of old. And at the end, they were a solid playoff caliber type team who kept the Green Bay Packers out of the Packers by beating them in week 18. So you never know. Whoever's playing great football in December, those are the teams you need to really worry about. So I don't really worry about them having a slow start because it literally has nothing to do with the Giants because by the end of the season, we're going to figure out if they are a good team or not. To your point, you know, the, the best team you were on here in New York, that 2016 team, the most memorable win to me was that December win against Dallas here in New Jersey. And I remember Dak being on his back on the back page of our daily newspaper the next morning. And I believe it was a low scoring game. But to your point, 
It's like it, what matters is how you're playing at that time of year. You know, people say like Bill Belichick, you know, basically says that the season starts on Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, right, right. And so, yeah, for sure. And then I bring up the Cowboys because my next question, you've played against Mike McCarthy's offense. Um, you know, you were a defensive captain, a leader, a guy who was able to exploit offensive weaknesses when you did play. And we look at Dallas and they haven't made a ton of changes, but the big change is Kellamore is out. Mike McCarthy's taking the reins. He's got the headset. They had Brandon cooks and Stefan Gilmore. So I'm wondering from your experience playing against this system and then knowing this coach and the, this personnel is Dallas, in your opinion, going to be able to elevate and are we going to see you know, an explosive, unstoppable Cowboys offense because they've been able to score already? Or do you think they'll go the other way and this kind of uh, this fix is going to be more of a desperate move that doesn't pay off in the end? Uh, well, look, they're, they're, see, they're, they're still very talented. Dak has won a lot of games since he's been in the NFL. His rookie year, I think, being that 2015 season, mm. my first year, Think with the Giants, am I correct about that? Was it 15 or 16? I think he was 15. Uh, yeah, I think 15. Yeah, with him and uh Ezekiel Elliott coming together, and they you know they've been consistent winners, not in the playoffs as much, um, but they've been consistent winners. So, if I feel like if that can limit his turnovers, I think they'll be a solid team. Um, because their defense has I think they were top five in defense last year, um, yeah. second in sacks, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But they were a really solid defensive team. Now, if they're trying to figure out life after Ezekiel Elliott, I think they have a great running back in Pollard. I think he can do everything for them. But his health coming back this year off the injury, I think that's a concern as well. But look, they're solid, man. Their receivers are solid. I mm. think uh, the tight end is a little bit underrated. Um, you know, and they're a solid team. And, you know, I hate talking so good about the Cowboys, right? <laughs> Talking so good about the Eagles, but the great thing about the Giants is you get to see where you measure up to one of the better teams in the conference right away. You know, week one, Dallas, no it happens to be a rival, and the Giants, there's no letdown in the schedule, right? The, the schedule for the Giants, if the Giants can get through that schedule and survive and make it to the playoffs, they have to be a good team. You know, like that's they have to be a good team because the schedule is set up, you know, for them to struggle pretty much early and then through the middle, maybe make some ground. And then at the end is some tests at the end with the Eagles coming in twice in the last three weeks. So the way the schedule set up, the Giants need to get out with a decent start, be strong in the middle. And then at the end, they have to finish strong because you have one of the stronger teams, if not the best team in the conference to finish. And look, the Cowboys. As much as people talk about them, you know, failing and, you know, people make fun of them and you got the other people on the other side praising them. It's like the love hate. Like you either hate the, the Cowboys or you love them. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to be fair and honest. They have a solid squad, Pat. They yeah. really do. You know, they they brought in some free agents, you know, and, and they secured up certain positions. They have probably the best young defender in the NFL in Micah Parsons. Um, you know, talented CD's one of the I think top top receivers in the league. That core with Gallup in there is a top receiving core, and they add uh Cooks in there as well. So, you know, that's just that's some talent, Pat. You know, that's that they got a lot of guys all over the place, you know, and, and it's up to them to repeat defensively, you know, last year. But I think the whole conference got stronger. You know, we, we had to see about the commanders, which you're probably gonna get to next see about that quarterback situation but we have to see because i don't really see these teams taking a step backwards any of these teams mm. you know, especially the giants i think the giants they're going to take a step forward i'm not expecting the other teams to take a step backwards but if even if they stay where they're at they're still a really good team both of those teams and the eagles and the cowboys yeah and um, you mentioned washington and my question about them simply is and again you know you're referencing the, the commonality of these three NFC East opponents, I think that the Giants have is they all have pretty talented rosters and they have, you know, even when Washington has struggled and the, or the Giants have beaten them and had their number, they have a pretty good amount of talent on that team. They just haven't been able to figure out the QB situation. So I just put it to you point blank. Are you is if if Sam Howell is the quarterback for Washington when they face the Giants twice, do you are you scared? Do you think that 
Brian Dable and Wink Martindale can't figure out a way to stop him and that Washington can win meaningful games with Sam Howell at quarterback? Or are we still looking at Washington being a year or two away from figuring it out because they got a kid back there and kind of a lame duck coach? I think it's the the second the second one. I think they are a year or two away. But yeah. Pat, you've been around this long enough, right? If Washington struggles early and by the time they meet the Giants, they're a struggling team, I just hope this team doesn't overlook them. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's my fear. If they are they do have, you know, struggles and Sam Howell can't figure it out, maybe he's throwing some interceptions, maybe Brissett takes over, you know, that's that's struggle right there. We've seen a lot of teams, you know, do that, right? Yeah. If the Giants overlook them in any type of way. Washington, they always play the Giants stuff. It's a division game. It's a rivalry game. Every single division game is a rivalry game. You can't overlook a team that might be struggling a little bit because the Commanders beat the Philadelphia Eagles last year. If yeah. you know, don't forget that. And they beat them like kind of handily. You know, like they, they dominated them physically. Yeah. Jalen Hurts playing. He was playing mm -hmm. that game before he was hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You can't overlook any team in the NFL, especially a team in your division, who you have a long history with, right? You know, so I hope that's not a problem. I do think the commanders, I, I think they got the problem out of the building, right? You know, the owner <laughs> is now gone, right? And now they have, a, a, they're in a new place, new name. I don't know if they're going to keep the name. Who knows, right? <laughs> but they, I think they're starting to get settled in as a franchise, Right. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback quite yet. If Sam Howell plays well early, okay, that's going to give the franchise a lot of hope. If he doesn't, it might be a struggling team. They have a guy in Jacoby Brissett who can come in and do some things. And the thing is about them, Pat, no matter how the game is going, right? And I'm talking about the game flow, commanders versus the Giants, whoever they're playing, yeah. they love to run the football. <laughs> they love to run the football. So that's going to take pressure off whoever that quarterback is if these running backs in this O-line could actually be solid because they're a physical football team. Honestly, the whole NFC East is a, is a physical uh, division. And I think you can't take away from anything from them because their mindset is established run. And if they continue to have that mindset, it'll alleviate the pressure of having to play quarterback for the commanders. And that might bode them well, especially because they're probably going to be good on defense, especially with that front seven. Right. That's a, yeah, and that's a fair point too, about, I, I like your point about it. Like if how struggles, you can see a, a case where like, just like it happened with Heineke, if they're struggling, they might look like a mess early, but Rivera at least might get them to a manageable team where Brissett is operating a conservative offense. And so even if the giants are looking good and have some momentum, Washington will do all in their power to shorten the game with the run game and keep it close. Right. So it'll still be kind of like a slog and a game that you have to win in the trenches or you're not going to win it. Right. Exactly. I yeah. mean, that's, that's it right there, man. And honestly, that's the NFC East. I feel like you got the the most talented team possibly in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think the chiefs, when they matched up last year, this is what I thought in the Super Bowl, right? You have the best player in the NFL against the best team in the NFL in Mahomes versus the Eagles. And I think in the first half, the Eagles showed that they were the best team in the NFL, right? And then the second half, Mahomes showed that he was the best player in the NFL <laughs> with arguably the best coach, if not the second best coach, you know, but as of right now, because he has his quarterback, Andy Reid is the best coach in the NFL because he has his quarterback. Bill Belichick had his quarterback for 20 years. I think in the at least the second half of that 20 years, he was definitely the best coach in the NFL. He doesn't have his quarterback quite yet, at least not of that caliber. Mahomes and Andy Reid, bro, they they lose, I think in 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, they've lost they lost 45 games in 10 years. <laughs> that's it. 45 games in 10 years. I'm no yeah. mathematician. That's like four or five a year. And you play 17 games a year now, right? 18 now, or almost 18. So yeah, 18. 18 weeks, 17 games. Yeah. Right. You know, what's fascinating to me is, um, you know, Andy Reid also like I think because he invites like he's he he will sign a player maybe with some quote unquote character character concerns, bring guys into the building for a second chance. And he, he did that back in Philadelphia. And I think he has this uh, reputation of being like a player friendly coach and he is player friendly, but 
what I'm fascinated by is I've talked to some people in Kansas City, and this is now after them winning the Super Bowl. JC, they are they were having a spring like straight out of like the 1990s. Like guys were saying it was basically like their hardest training camp and it was their spring program. And that just registered with me because I'm always fascinated by the debate of whether you should let guys rest in the preseason and wait for real football to play or whether you should kind of grind because your body needs to be ready. And I was just really taken aback by people telling me from Kansas City, it was almost like you thought someone was talking about Bill Belichick, but it was like, no, 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 this is what Andy Reid does too. And he's doing it in May. And what What's your opinion on that from having uh, played in the league? Oh, man. You know, back when I played, back in my day, Pat, right? <laughs> Not too long ago. Every, Come on, every year I get older and older, right? <laughs> it's so different now, though. Training camp, they had the first three days, no pads at all, no nothing, right? Then they had a day off. Like, after what? What did y'all do to have a day off, right? <laughs> they have a day off. They come back, have their first pad of practice, have another day off. So we're in the weekend of training camp, one pad of practice. Back in the day, it was like, I think, one practice, half pack, full pads, full pads throughout the rest of training camp. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And that wasn't that long ago. Like you said, my rookie year was 2009, and we were out there with full pads, right? The league has changed so much, right? Who knows what's best? You know, like the, the Giants, um, my second year after Coughlin, so McAdoo's year, yeah. first year uh, with McAdoo, McAdoo gave us Fridays off. <laughs> he gave us Fridays off. It was like a spa day, right? <laughs> How good were we in 2016, right? Throughout the season, right? It's like that was the best year we've had in 10 years. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? The Giants, you know, they we didn't win a playoff game that year, but we actually got to the playoffs. And until last year, it was 10 years. There was only one team that's made it to the playoffs since the Super Bowl team, right? Right. So it's like, who knows? You know, like who who huh. knows? And and then last two years, if I'm not mistaken, the Giants led the league in ACL tears. Like, yeah. like it's I don't know. Like that good luck, you know, as a head coach, because hmm. the X's and O's is one thing, going out there playing week to week, but like actually practicing and getting the most out of your players without pushing them, like that's a fine line. You know, so fine, that's, yeah. that's a fine line. And I Look, I'm always – I was a professional, you know, and for me it's like whatever you ask I'm going to do because I feel like you you might not have the right plan, but if it's your best effort, your best thought-out process, you put a lot of thought into this, a lot of effort, you relied on, you know, people you trust. I'm talking about coaches and how they put together, you know, uh, programs for us. Yeah. Then I'm going to go with it, you know, and then if everybody buys in, then that's the right program. You know what I mean? That's what it really comes down to. If everybody buys into what the head coach is doing, what the strength con strength and conditioning coach is doing, that's a winning program. That means you have everybody on the same page. That's it. You know, and uh, Dayball, they've established that culture here to where we're going to do it our way. And now you even hear guys on the team talking like Dayball to the media, yeah. you know, sounding like him. That's a representation of his culture that he's established. Right. He no nonsense with the media. I don't even know why people ask him questions anymore because <laughs> he's not going to give you anything during the season. It was so funny, Pat. I'm listening to all the interviews and he's always doing the same thing. We'll find that at practice. We'll find that on practice. Oh, I, OK. Well, we'll check that out at practice. And it's just like, guys, just just <laughs> leave it alone. Ask him something about his family or something I'm like what is he doing? But that's culture that he's established. Right. Andy Reid, of course. He he is a very successful head coach. He's won everywhere he's ever been, right? Now he has this weapon in, in Mahomes and surrounded by so many more weapons, lose Tyreek Hill, win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's the cream of the crop over there. AFC is very strong with their quarterbacks. And if you look over here on this side, you have a guy in Jalen Hurts who is if he was just a manager, I think they would be successful as, as the franchise, but he's a lot more than that. He's mm -hmm. a, a born winner. He's always been a winner on every level, right? He's always had success. He's always handled success well, and he's always handled controversy well.
right? He got benched in a national championship. Every single person in America saw that. Like I can't, I can't <laughs> believe that got overlooked in his evaluation, right, JC? Like mm -hmm. the I don't remember a player reacting act and responding and having the attitude he did and then being ready the next the year. Next when he year. Right? Like it, what what kind of character that takes? I mean, that people really overthought him in the pre-draft process. And, and Pat, I had uh lunch with uh Dayball, right? Before the Eagles game. Yeah. And I spoke to him about the work because it was like he just talked to the media. And what he said, I might even written it down. I think I wrote it down in my phone somewhere. <laughs> what he said about him, like, I was just like, wow. Like, I don't think you've ever said that about Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, man, you know, but it was it was very high praise because he's been around him before, right? He was in Alabama when he was down there. And he understands the type of person he is, you know? He understands who's running the ship down you know, in, in down I-95 in Philadelphia, you know, and that's why I think they are the cream of the crop, not just because they're talent level, because they have a guy who's a great manager and is very talented and can basically do anything with the football in his hands. Yeah. Well, he has that it factor. I mean, I, frankly, you had the it factor. I mean, you know, that actually, I later I was going to ask you, but I might as well just ask you now, like what it takes to be a leader. And, you know, when you're talking about Jalen Hurts right now, and I know how how I feel about Hurts, watching him, evaluating him, you're talking about how Dable's praising him. Like, can you really can you teach leadership? You know, because when you were with the Giants, like you were, and leadership of course means being there when things are going wrong, right? Yeah. Even more than being there when things are going right. But like, can you teach leadership, or is that just something that came naturally to you, and that you think is like a an intrinsic quality of the guys who have it? I think it has to be. You can be born a leader, but you have to go through it. You have to go through some tests, you know, and you have to be tried. You have to go through some fire to lead other men, you know, other leaders. The NFL is full of a whole bunch of leaders from all the coaches, all the training staff. Every single guy on the NFL roster was a captain in college, right? <laughs> like, right. I would say 95%. <laughs> These are all leaders. These are all guys that run families, foundations, businesses, right? Multi-millionaires. To be a leader of those guys, you've got to been through some shit. You have to. <laughs> like, you've had to been through some fire, you know? And we've seen Hurts do it. And let's focus on New York now. We've seen Daniel Jones through a lot of fire as well. His rookie year was pretty good. And then after that... It was a lot of controversy for a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. Trip falling down when he's running down the field, right? Some embarrassing stuff happening. Uh, the Giants just really not looking like a good team for a few years under his reins, right? Injury yeah. problems, turnover issues. You look at him last year, the best game he probably played was in the playoffs, right? Like he's, No question. He showed up. He got better. He listened to the coaches. He embraced the coaches, right? Run game was solid. Run game started getting iffy. What they start doing? Running with Daniel Jones. He put the team on his back towards the end of the year. We saw it happen. We saw a guy going through it in like in real time last year in Daniel Jones because he has been tested. He has been prodded. He has failed miserably, right? So yeah. now he can succeed with, you know, with no shame, you know, with with modesty and being humble. Not, I wouldn't even say being humble, F being humble. You know what I mean? Like, but he yeah. can do it because it's like, I done been to the bottom, you know? Like we we hmm. drafted Saquon really early, you know? Like <laughs> we've had some early draft picks under my watch, you know? And last year we picked late, you know? And that's a lot to do with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has emerged as a leader because of the things that we're talking about different than Jalen Hurts. But look at the two, when you talk about, their styles of play, you know? Yeah. Big time mobile guys, right? Not Lamar Jackson. Nobody's like him, right? But in terms of I can throw the ball and then I can tuck it and run and not for 60, 70 yards down the field. That's Lamar Jackson stuff. Yeah. But for that very important first down at the end of the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I'm going to run for it because I'm tough, right? And I'm smart. Very similar games in that light. And then if you both look at their stats, Jalen Hurts numbers on the passing and the rushing, 
excuse me, Daniel Jones has seven rushing, but uh, Jalen Hurts might be more of a prolific passer than him. And I would kind of say that's a part of the roster that, that he benefits from. But if you look, these are guys who are efficient with turning the ball over now. Yeah. Daniel Jones didn't used to be like that, but now he is. That's why when the Giants do play the Eagles, when the do- Giants do play the Cowboys, they have a fighting chance. The Giants have increased their roster. They have a bona fide leader. Matter of fact, they have bona fide leaders. Saquon Barkley was a captain his rookie year. They yep. got him. They signed him. Andrew he's- Thomas, too, man. He is a, a – They have him. Waller, everything he's Waller. been through. They have a guy who's been through probably the most in the NFL, right? All the stuff that he's been through. Now he's been through the fire. Now you put him on the Giants in New York, ready to go. Like, this is – I'm very excited about this roster, Pat. Like, hmm. Giants made a lot of smart moves. The best thing that happened to the Giants is that a culture has now been established and it hmm. hasn't been around since Tom Coughlin. Wow. So let me ask you this. You brought up Daniel. Let's get to the Giants. Let's get into it because, like I said, you've been there every day. I've been there every day. So when you bring up Daniel Jones, is it too much to expect him to take another step? You know, it's easy to use the Josh Allen comparison because that's what happened with Brian Dable in Buffalo. But I'm I'm just using Josh Allen's name. I'm not saying he has to be that player. But do you think the expectation should be now for him to take another step forward as a player and put more on his shoulders? Or do you think what we saw, like you said, at the end of last year in the playoff game in Minnesota, that's enough. And as the team gets a little bit better, more talented around him, just let him shine the way he did last season. Yeah, I I think he he must take a step forward for this team to be a better team and step into that conversation with the Philadelphia Eagles, right? The Giants right now, they're not talked about as a top-tier type team. Daniel Jones is not talked about as a top-tier uh, quarterback. Is he a relevant quarterback? Yes. Is the Giants a relevant team? Absolutely. But in order for you to take that step, I think you have to have a top-tier quarterback. Daniel Jones has to take that step forward. Because when we look at the, the teams, right, mm-hmm. Let's go to the AFC. You look at all the top-tier teams. You always go to who's playing quarterback for them, right? You look at uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Lamar right. Jackson in Baltimore. Now the Jets. The Jets last year, very good defense. No one gave them too much. No one thought too much of them. After the year was over, still no one thought of them. You sign Aaron Rodgers, a four-time MVP. Now you become a relevant team. That's it. Daniel Jones must take the next step forward for the Giants to not only be in that conversation, but actually challenge some top teams in the division. And the Giants do have to play the AFC East this year. That consists of when two is healthy, he's a good, really good quarterback, right? You have to play Josh Allen, Bill Belichick, whoever's playing quarterback for him, and then Aaron Rodgers. So they have to go against some good quarterbacks. And Daniel Jones, he's going to have to outplay some good quarterbacks, right? Because these teams... The Bills, their defense is always solid every single year, right? So if Josh Allen, which I think he's going to be another Dak Prescott and improve on his uh, turnover ratio, Mm. he's not going to be giving the ball up as much. So Buffalo is going to be that much more difficult to beat, right? Tua stays healthy. We see what Tua can do when he's healthy. He's a gunslinger. He has the fastest receiver group in the league, and he throws the ball down the field prettier than any other quarterback in the league. They always have a swinging chance, literally. You know, so the Giants have to take a step forward on the back of Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley can go for 15, 1,600 yards. It doesn't matter if Daniel Jones plays like crap. That's what it is. Perfectly said. So your top observation, being out of Giants camp, I think we just wrapped up the eighth practice, I want to say, of camp. What is your number one observation? Like the thing that stands out to you the most? It could be positive it could be negative it could be offense it could be defense what's the top thing that you've noticed so far 84 bro Jalen Hyatt Jalen Hyatt I mean today I didn't see too much today I didn't I didn't really see his number too much today yeah he's dialed back I think yeah dialed back a little bit I mean because he's been running 24 miles per hour every day <laughs> Pat <laughs> bro he's so fast and I mean I see the 40 the 442 and it's like he's way faster than that 
And that's a that's a lot to say because four four is very fast. No doubt. But, well, and JC, mm -hmm. don't you agree too? Like you see this guy. I know it's practice. I know some of these days it's not full pads. Guys can't hit. But if you're a coach, it's got to be impossible to keep this guy off the field if he looks like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, He's he look. I think they drafted him in the third round, so they they thought that he could possibly be a good player. But to be having this success this early in camp. And I've watched some interviews. I've seen what uh, coaches have said about him, what Isaiah Hodges have said about him. And they're all saying he's a student of the game. He's doing everything right. And that's what you want to hear, you know. And that means he has a promising and a bright future. With pads on, though, because most of those days <laughs> have been without pads. With pads on is the question, right? That's real football being played. Look, I think – when you do seven on seven, it's in the offense's benefit, right? There's no pressure on the quarterback. Yes, yeah. he has a clock in his head. Coaches don't blow that damn whistle like they're supposed to <laughs> after five or six seconds. The sack, they're yeah, going right. to let Cover him throw the, the ball down the field. <laughs> but, like, these catches, bro, that we've seen, like, it was one where the ball was thrown, like, very deep. And it was like, okay, who's going to get to that? And you saw another gear from 84. And the reason why he's the most impressive, because I haven't seen that. Odell showed that, but I don't even think it was on that level. Wow. Odell was very, he was a brilliant route runner, like a brilliant route runner. But I don't know if he had that top end, another gear as him. He possibly have, but I'm comparing him to no, one of the greatest receivers that had the, the run that Odell had for the Giants, I'm comparing him to that guy. And you, we all know what Odell was when he was here in New York. Oh, no Very doubt. special. Jalen Hurts has that type of top end speed. And <laughs> when the ball's in the air, he had it's like that's when he's in home. Like that's that's his playground. Like he looks so natural catching it. It's not a struggle, fully extended out. One time it was in coverage, multiple times it was in coverage, a sideline catch. He's been for me the most impressive. Now pads come on. Now you start paying attention to everything else. There's no, you can't talk about no linemen right now, right? Mm -hmm. There's right. literally no hitting, no nine on sevens. I got to practice today. They do a nine on seven. They said, they said, JC, we don't do that no more. <laughs> so, where am I right now? <laughs> Mine an NFL camp. Well, it's, that actually leads me. It's hard to know exactly right now because, like you said, the lines haven't played too much. But from my vantage point, JC. Kayvon Thibodeau looks like he's got the right attitude. Looks like he's put in the work. He physically looks a little bit different in a good way to me. Yeah. Have you, if you've run into him or just watching him, like, would you agree with that? Like, does he look like he's doing all the right things to take another jump in year two after making some splash plays down the stretch in, week, in year one? Yeah, it looks like it. You know, the energy in the entire room is great and the entire defensive room is great. Uh, I, I think – you know, he looks at himself as a leader, even though he's young. And we've seen it. That Washington game last year, I mean, he was the best player in the NFL that week, right? Like, the what he did against against yeah. the commanders, bro, he was unstoppable, like, from the first play of the game. <laughs> I don't expect him to do that every week, Pat, but yeah. that's the type of player he is. We, see, we saw that in Oregon. That's why the Giants drafted him so high. But you got to remember, he was injured last year. It's very difficult to do anything in the NFL with a knee injury. And he actually mm. did pretty well, you know. So I don't not only expect him to be more of a vocal leader, but a leader with his play, right? Because last year he's gotten some penalties, you know, is you know, he wasn't on the field at all times. And I don't honestly, I don't think he needs to be on the field at all times. I think other guys like uh Zimenez and Azizo Jalari and uh, Jihadi Ward, right? I think those guys, and then they bring in Nacho. I think the Giants, right, to to get the most. Out of all of their defensive linemen, right, especially like a Dexter Lawrence and a guy who's a little bit older in age and Leo Williams, don't play them 90% of the plays. Yeah. You know, that's why you brought in Nacho. That's why you brought in Aisha Robinson, right? Let's get them down to like 65, 70%. No first, doubt. second down. Let's have some third down specialists who's playing 30% of the snaps. The The Eagles had a lot of success with, with that last year. Four guys had over 10 sacks last year and probably none of them played over 60% of the snaps. I think it was one guy. Um, who yeah. who was, I can, his name has escaped me right now. 
Um, the one that led the team in sacks. He had 16 and a half. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Riddick. He was the only one that played 70% of the snaps. Everybody else played a lot lower. But that shows you, offensively, besides the old linemen, they're rotating guys in and out, left and right, left and right, in and out. Only the DBs for most teams get circulated as much. You got to keep that defensive line rolling. Keep them rolling. Keep them fresh. Have specialists. Hmm. First and second down guys, short yardage guys, third down guys, blitz package guys, right? Have specialists. Take a little bit off of your main players so when it comes to December, they're, they're not fresh, but they're not as much wear and tear on their bodies. And you're, you're not seeing these guys missing practices all the time because they've played so much throughout the season and you're balanced out a little bit more. I think that's what the Giants have created. And hmm. I, Thibodeau, and I got this question, asked this question on BBKL, is there going to be a guy under Wink's, Wink Martindale's defense to have over 10 sacks? I think Thibodeau can be that guy. I think he can. I think mm -hmm. you take his snaps down. I think you move them down a little bit and allow him to play on passing situations every now and again on running situations. But let's be real about this. We want him on passing situations. <laughs> Let him be the specialist. Yes, he can play some first and second down, but I like Jihadi Ward playing first and second down right he's yeah. a bigger body he's tough he's physical he understands wink martin's defense he's a violent run stopper right Great word for it he is a violent run stopper yeah let's get the mix of the guy so we can get the most out of the talent we have because the giants are talented along the defensive line you're absolutely right staying staying fresh up front is the key unfortunately they've had to sign three defensive tackles just to create depth because guys have been out like you said Ashawn working back i couldn't agree with you more though keeping lawrence and williams especially fresh and i like that you throw thibodeau in there too is all about getting them into that fourth quarter where their their hands aren't on their hips and mm -hmm. getting the best out of them um onto a position that you know extremely well this is a huge question I have. I don't think I'm the only one, but at linebacker with Jared Davis going down, you have Bobby Okereke. You signed him. He can play Mike. He can play Will. But ideally, you want him in space playing the Will and a run-stopping middle linebacker who can play downhill. Are you concerned about that position? Do you like what you've seen from either Micah McFadden or Darian Beavers? Do you think maybe the solution's out there in free agency? Or do you think Okereke at Mike is the solution? Well, signing uh, Okereke is huge. I remember saying his name so many times last year hmm. because he had so many tackles against the Giants. He's a yeah, guy right. that brings a lot of versatility to the, the linebacker position. Um, he can blitz. He can go on the line of scrimmage and blitz. He's not a huge guy. He's good in space. He's good for the Giants. Uh, the question is the other linebacker, right? The guy that has the most promise, I think, right now is Beavers, but he's coming off a very significant knee injury. And then McFadden, who has who's shown spots of uh, brilliance at times at that position and looked pretty good. And then sometimes he looked, you know, OK. Right. Yeah. I think the Giants did a good job in going after a guy like Okarake because that gives you a three down linebacker. Right. That gives you a guy that you don't have to take off the field. If you feel more strongly about a Beavers, because he's a, a lot more solid guy. Yeah, he is big, man. And then if he gets to run situations, then you can flip-flop him. You can have Beavers in the middle. You can have, you know, uh, uh, Karake on the outside playing more of that weak side linebacker position or strong side linebacker in more of a passing situation where you're bringing the extra defensive back on the field and kind of putting them into the run fit. I think it creates versatility. Bobby Okarake is the only guy I feel like he's the proven guy that we understand that he's He's going to be pretty good for the defense for the uh, for the Giants defense. Yeah. Everybody else for me, it's a huge question mark. And Beavers, I like him a lot, but you never know after a knee injury that's significant, right? Especially at that position where lateral movement and explosion, I feel like is is very uh, prominent. You have to do that a lot, and we'll see. Like I I like what I see now, but Pat, we haven't seen anything. We can't see anything. They're not even really hitting. You know, like that's right. There's no smacking in practice. There's no <laughs> going one on one with linebackers and linemen. Like, there's none of that stuff. So, I'm gonna be. Are you? You're not going to Detroit, are you? I am. I'll be there all week. All week. Okay, cool. So I'm be hollering at you. I'm almost the one. I'll be hitting you up, seeing what's going on. Next week to. is gonna be huge because I think when you go against other teams, it raises the intensity a little bit more because 
you're like he he's not there's no buddy buddy right there's a little <laughs> bit of buddy buddying going on especially with the vets in training camp right you go after it but now it's not as you're not have, you don't have to put on a show for your team but now you go up there you're in hostile territory they're not going to let you go in there and bu- bully them so they're going to try to hit you in your mouth so we're going to see a lot in practice next week uh, with that Detroit joint pack practice. And then, of course, that first preseason game, we're going to see a lot too as well. And I'm going to be paying attention to what the linebackers are doing for sure. Mm. That's going to be a fun trip. All right, one more Giants question. You've given us a lot of your time. I really appreciate it. Again, everybody, Jonathan can see us. You can find him. He's been on Good Morning Football. He's been on Amazon. Uh, he's on Big Blue Kickoff, which he just alluded to. He does Giants games. He's everywhere. He's great. Um, so last Giants question, JC, Saquon Barkley. I can't believe it took me this long to ask about it, but obviously it hasn't been as much of a topic since he showed up. But, you know, as a team leader, as a guy who's been on teams that have won Super Bowls, as a guy who's been on teams that have struggled, do you look at this situation and see, all right, everything's resolved, everything's fine, Saquon's back in, or is it a potential powder keg? Like if if they lose out of the gate, could this get ugly again? Um, do you think he's a giant for the long term? Is he only a giant for this year? And you see kind of the end of his Giants career on the horizon. Just curious about your take on kind of the whole situation and where it stands at this moment. Yeah, well, number one, I'm very happy that they figured it out and got him into camp. You know, um, we all knew what was going to happen once they got Daniel Jones deal done, even though it was four minutes before they were supposed to make the decision. But we all knew <laughs> We all knew that as when they get Daniel Jones signed, they're going to franchise Saquon. Everyone knew that Saquon knew it. And that's what it flipped to the Giants having all of the leverage in the situation. And then from that point on, the the running back market in the NFL just plummeted literally in the last four or five months. And it's been going on for a few years now, if not a decade. Right. Mm-hmm. But literally in the last few months, we've seen it plummet, you know, uh, we seen Miles Sanders take the deal. Was it six million? Yeah, it was he like 6.3 that. or something. Yeah. When you look at him and Saquon's stats from last year, they're almost identical. So you got a guy that had the same stats as you take a six million dollar deal. I'm not saying he ruined it, you know what I mean? Because look, he had to do what he what was best for him, but that kind of limited the market this year. They franchised the other Josh Jacobs, the other running backs. Yep, Tony the Pollard, other guys, Jacobs, yep. you know, so it's like he's in this he, he got in this weird like state like of of like purgatory with just watching the running back market crumble in front of his eyes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and it sucks because he's not a running back. He's way more than that. Right. And the talented ones, the ones that are really good running backs, Pat, they're the ones that get the short end of the stick. Because those are the guys that mean so much to an NFL team. Bro, when you got to go in and stop a running back that averages five yards, four and a half, five yards a carry, and you know he's going to get the ball 25 times, do you know, like as a linebacker, like my week is like, all right, I'm going to do a little extra squats on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? Get some extra rest on Thursday. Probably get an extra massage this week. Maybe see the <laughs> chiropractor at extra time. Because I know I'm going to be hitting this guy all game long. Every single defensive room in the NFL, Pat, the number one thing every single week is stop the run. So I don't care that the market is plummeting. Whatever the case is, the NFL still run the football. You still have to run the football to be a decent team. But the question is now, because teams have figured out how to not have a very talented running back, the Chiefs, and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's the big deal, because teams that have a solid run game usually are pretty good, right? But we watched the Chiefs with Pacheco, who is a sixth rounder, right? Something like that. Go all the way to the Super Bowl and win it. And they're not paying them anything, you know? So the market is so crazy with the running back situation. Saquon just got the the very short end of the stick. And Pat, I I said it's before, and I don't think Saquon will ever sign a long-term deal because Hmm. 
once that franchise tag was put on him, and even though he didn't sign it this year, the second year, that's now the second franchise tag, why would the Giants not use it again? Yeah. He's older. I don't care what he did this year. He can rush for 1,800 yards and have 500 receiving yards. That means he's worth a lot more, right, Pat? That means the Giants wouldn't have to spend a lot more to keep him, right? No, because they have another franchise tag. So for business sake, you know what I'm saying? Like the Giants have the leverage. They so would he, would he accept that next year, hypothetically, or does he force his way out because he says, screw this, I'm not doing this? Um, or, you know, is it just no choice because the tag is the tag? But that's the predicament he's in. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. predicament he's in. And Pat, ah, knock on wood before I even say it, if he gets hurt this year, it's over. When I say it's over, he's never going to get a long-term deal. That's 100% guaranteed, yeah. right? And that's the situation he's in. Joe Burrow, right? He just tweaked his calf, right? Yep, his calf. You know yeah. what everybody's saying? Let's hear him get this deal done. Let's go ahead and get my money before I get back out there. That's yep. not the case for running backs. <laughs> that's right. It's so different. The quarterbacks, yes, he's going to get, I don't know, 350? How much he's going to get, Pat? 350? <laughs> Joe Burrow, he's going to get 300 something. Stupid money. He's going to get 300. And they're like, at this point, we're not going to show up until you give me that deal. He has the leverage. He has all the leverage. He might not show up until they give him his money. Like, I, you I know, it, it, it's, it's right now, when it comes to that business side, it's literally yeah. who has the leverage. Giants had the leverage in Saquon Barkley's case. Daniel Jones had the leverage when it came down to the Giants versus Daniel Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And then Joe Burrow. Of course, Joe Burrow has all the leverage. He's out, he has all leverage. I'm the best quarterback in the league. He can say that. And they probably believe that. You are the best quarterback in the league. Okay, then pay me, right? <laughs> Different from Saquon, right? I'm the yeah. best running back in the league. Okay, cool. Yeah. Franchise. Congrats. Yeah, tag. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Crazy business. JC, I'm not going to keep you any longer, but we're going to have to bring you on again because you you have some great stories. You got great stories from your playing days, and I know we could get into all of that. Some teammates you played with, some great teams you played on, some great moments, and I would love to bring you back on to do all that. But I know you're a busy man, and you got to go. So I look forward to seeing you back on the practice field. Look forward to seeing you at these Giants games. And excited, just like you, for a giant season with some uh, some speed and exciting players on the field. But thank you so much for coming on uh, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. It's been a pleasure, man. Absolutely, bro. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. That was Jonathan Casillas, JC, two-time Super Bowl champ. He's the best. Thanks for listening. Remember, everybody, like, review, rate, subscribe. YouTube page is at PL on NFL. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get them, Apple spotify all over the place you can download it and wanted to remind you we are brought to you here by bet online and by estate 98 hola amigos this is pat leonard from the daily news and if you're a coffee lover like me you're going to love estate 98 this ultra concentrated coffee from el salvador which dates back to 1798 is the most convenient premium cafe i've ever had it takes me three seconds to make a nice coffee which is perfect for my busy podcasting schedule on talking ball I can take it with me on the go and make it anywhere. And with its rich smell and notes of milk, chocolate, and tangerine, this Essencia de Cafe has replaced my old coffee runs. Go to Estate 98 Coffee on Instagram, order, and enjoy. Salud. Thanks for joining. See you next time on Talking Ball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.